0: episode number this is? Dougie. The Dougie episode. The Dougie episode. Took me a second to remember. I'm like, "Ah, 93. go, 93, baby. Number 93, playing in the most glorious year in 93. The last time this team had any sort of fun. If Austin Matthews is the greatest player in franchise history... This guy. We've got we've got the two greatest leafs in franchise history over both my shoulders, well, as far the, as I'm concerned. The greatest individual season in Maple Leaf's history, in my opinion. 127 points. Disgusting. Yeah, it is disgusting. And a warrior. So. Yeah, like just the type of guy, like the type of guy that this team could use right now. Quite. Cheers frankly. to Dougie. Cheers to Dougie indeed. 93. Um The regular season is on the horizon. Thank God. Because preseason hockey is a tough, tough watch. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm happy it's back. But I just, I go on Twitter and I see how fired up some of these guys are about watching preseason hockey and just examining every second of Durarga game. And I just, I'm like, I question, I'm like, I I just can't. I can't, guys. I can't. Yeah, Leaf podcast. Sometimes I feel like maybe I should sit down and watch it and so I can have opinions and we have stuff to talk about with the preseason. But then you sit down and you're like this sucks. Yeah, it it is. This it's tough. Sucks. And it's honestly, man, it's not and it's not like this isn't an anti-Leaf comment like I really don't want to sit and watch the Ottawa Senators AHL team. No, it's just I mean, we're busy people, we have full-time jobs, we have hobbies, we have girlfriends, fiancés, sometimes a Leafs preseason game, especially when you got 82 of them we gotta watch coming up. The full 82. Let's say that coming here for preseason takes, probably not the best idea. No. Um, The good news is, is we do have something to talk about. Both of us spent the weekend binging the All or Nothing documentary. We'd been talking in previous weeks about how we were excited to watch it, things we were hoping to see. Um, Let's do high-level, just overall opinion on it. Um, You go first. Just give me like high-level, overall, what you thought. I think anytime you can see behind the scenes of something that me and you cover on a weekly basis and we can only speculate what's going on in the dressing room, players' personalities, uh the GM and coach dynamic, seeing all that exposed for this hockey team is pretty cool. Like it was pretty pretty good insight. It's cool to see Sheldon Keefe do his thing. It's cool to see Dubis. Sheldon F and Keith yeah Sheldon F and Keith and uh Dubis doing a multitude of things talking to players putting players on waivers making trades the magnet board yeah like it's so I think anytime you get a chance to kind of peek behind the curtain of a team that you watch so often and you wonder about things in the dressing room and things about the coach, it was a good insight to what actually kind of goes on behind the scenes, which is always which is always entertaining in itself. Um, but overall, I don't think it it set anyone's world on fire. It was boring. <laughs> that being said, like I, I didn't want to go out here and just shit all over it because like it seems like that's the theme of everything we do now. We just shit all over everything. But yeah. I thought it was just they were. Yeah, they had five episodes. They had to cover a whole season in a playoff run, and, and guys, it, oh, no, 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 a playoff Re- round. Thank you, thank you, a playoff round. Thank you. So yeah. I found it to be like a little clunky. Like there was a couple parts in the earlier episodes where you got like a good part with Keith talking to Dubis or or player interaction. And you would get that for, like, two or three minutes, and then it was just, like, Will Arnett coming back on and being like, so, da 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 And then this, and then the da-da-da-da-da. It just, if for someone who wanted to watch it but, like, was kind of unsure, I would say, like, skip the first three episodes and watch four and five, because it's a little, it's, they'd get way too much in in five episodes. I wonder how much say the Leafs had in terms of, like, what they edited out. There's no way that Amazon intended to make something that, um, I don't want to say, it wasn't dull, but like that, like, unexciting? Is that even a word? Like, it's just like something that just like, you just watch it and you're like, meh, yeah, meh. I think it would have been more exciting if if they just like took a section of the season or if they just spent five episodes covering that playoff series. Yes. Like it was just like like game six of fifty six. It's like yeah, <laughs> Marner scores twelve. Especially like, and ugh. especially especially You know you know what that like really um bashed me over the head with? Every time I turned around last year they were playing the Calgary Flames. Yeah. Like it just felt like like I know they played every team six hundred times, but like, oh my god, like like yeah, it's like yeah it, it this is the worst year to do that, too, because of the fact that it was strictly a Canadian division. It was like, game 17, Edmonton again. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just like... Three in Alberta. Three against the Oilers, three against the Flames. It's like... <laughs> but it was interesting, kind of looking back on it, it, that, like, they, like, pretty much, like, shit all over the Oilers and Flames all season yes, long. Yeah. They, and, dude, they, they that's one of the reasons that made the end result so upsetting is that they... For, they were only out of first place for like a a very yeah. small portion like of like they they beat up those two teams. I thought they kind of beat up the Jets. They they kind of beat up the Canadians, but like I forgot how much they struggled against the Vancouver Canucks. Like yes. they couldn't beat the Vancouver Canucks last year for some. Well, reason. they did at the beginning of the season, and then after that, they were just like, nah. We oh yeah, can't beat this they, team yeah. So and the and the five one collapse to the Sens. Oh, effort. Yeah, yeah, that was a good. Actually, <laughs> yeah. that was a good portion of of. What was that? The first or second episode? I can't remember. But yeah, that was something you just forget about. And you're like, I want to do a little bit of a deep dive here on Sheldon Keefe because, um, he was clearly the star of the show. He signed a two year contract extension this week. Mm -hmm. So I really, I really liked what I saw. like, you said it earlier talking before we came on here. It seems like he's seeing what we're seeing. Yeah. And I think that there's this narrative that Dubis brought him in to be Dubis's guy and he runs like a country club environment. There's definitely that narrative out there. I've seen it. And I, that's not what I got at all. Like, he's not afraid. Like, in game six, he goes in and he flat out says, Maddie, Mitch, Himes, your line's getting and dominated out yeah, there, right? Yeah. Like, it's like he... I was really impressed with, like, I'm, I'm running the ship here, boys. Yeah, like that, as I said earlier, with getting a peek behind the curtain, it, it was nice to see that the coach sees what we all see yeah. and wants to fix what a lot of fans want to fix and, and he can, and even though they're having a great season, there's several times where he's like foreshadowing to, you know what? We might be winning these games, might be scoring a lot of goals, but there's a, there's some games where the, it gets tight and we can't find ways to score hard goals. Like we how can't many, bang and rebound seasons in your life. In the last 10 years, have you heard that narrative? Like I heard, we've heard Sheldon Keith said that. That's all Mike Babcock said in his tenure behind the bench. I'm pretty sure if you go back, you could probably find some sound bites of Randy Carlisle. Granted, totally different roster. Yeah. Being like, this isn't a winning formula in the playoffs or whatever. It's just like, man, that's just the narrative of this team. And that's what the narrative of this team has been for so long. Is it's like, sure, we can play a great regular season style, but when we get into the playoffs, um, what did you think about some of his interactions? Like during practice, like he, like the, I was really surprised because, as you said earlier, overall, it, it was a pretty safe documentary. That's the word I would best use to describe it. It's safe. Um, but one of the moments that, that they kept in that I thought was really interesting that the Leafs would want this to be seen was it's the first episode after the loss to, um, uh, this, the, the Oilers, Oilers the yeah. Oilers, that's right. Um, Matthews kind of says after the game, he sort of criticizes the game plan and says like, we're playing too soft and we're too worried about containing like um, McDavid and Dreisaitl, like something along those lines. And then Keefe the next day is like really, really pissed. And he goes into Dubas' office at the, um, the Ford Performance Center and just is like, he can't do that. Like, we can't be doing that. You can't be going out in the media and they proceed to have the most awkward conversation I've ever seen at practice in which I find Matthew's whole demeanor to be like get the hell away from me man like like what did you think about that like I thought in uh, a lot of the conversation like a com- conversation he has the conversation he has do with Jimmy Vc is is savage. Like, yeah, yeah. He just looks at him and he's like, "I kind of felt for him a little bit for, for Jimmy Vc." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the coach just walks up and he's just basically like, is like, you're... "You're brutal." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You suck. Yeah. Like, figure something out. Like, yeah, he's like, "You know, we brought you in here to uh, uh, sort of excel and sort of find a role, and I'm not seeing it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Savage, it was pretty savage. Yeah. yeah. I mean, with the Matthews thing, I, I'm. It's easy to look at that interaction and say that he was being disrespectful or awkward. I think Austin Matthews just has a presence about him that just reeks of arrogance. Like he, he knows he's the shit. He knows he's one of the best players in the league, which he is. And, and you don't need to be buddy, buddy with your coach. I think Austin Matthews knew after that, he probably screwed up and he probably knew that was coming. And I just found, I'm just trying to not read too much into it. Like it's, I so I, at first, me and you both said like, oh, he's kind of a dick. But I mean, you think about going to work with your boss. Like, do you, do you sit there and chum it up with your boss? Like sometimes when your yeah. boss is trying to tell you something that that you've heard a couple times, you just kind of stand there and you're like, yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, Especially sorry. after I, you're right. Especially after you know that like you might have made a mistake, and like they got to come over and they have to have that conversation. Yeah. And then he and then they have the team meeting after, and yeah. he's like. Austin and I already spoke about this. Does anyone else want to speak up? And and everyone, no one no says anything. Yet. But you know what I found interesting out of all of that is they played a safe game in Austin's opinion, but Keith said that the Oilers played a better game because they actually did contain and, and got their offense when they could. And that's kind of like the story with this team. They don't know how to contain. So when they're not scoring wide open goals and rushing down the ice and odd man rushes, it seems like they're not playing their game plan. They they don't know how to like play a contained game. That's what I got out of that. It's like the fact that you thought that was a safe game plan. No, contained means play smart in your own end and capitalize on your chances. That's what containing means. Well, Keith kind of says that. Like you you uh you mentioned uh, to me over the weekend that one of, one of your favorite parts is when um Dubas sort of assembles like the leadership or Keith sort of assembles the leadership group in Dubas' office yeah, and kind of, like, some of the things that he, like, highlights about how, like, we we don't score any, like... Yeah, yeah, basically saying that, like, we're last in the league and scoring goals off the rebound. Basically what I said earlier, that when the games get tough, I'm starting to kind of notice that, like, the offense kind of dries up. Yeah. Like, obviously we're a high-octane offense, but those games where things get tight, aka playoff hockey... We can't find the offense dries up, and that's that's a concerning factor because games aren't easy in the playoffs. And the whole thing was just a giant. Sheldon Keith, this whole thing was just foreshadowing the playoffs. Yep, the whole thing. Yep. How, every episode was like, "Yeah, we're playing great, but we got to buckle down in the middle. We got to get five guys above the puck. We got to contain. We got to score dirty goals." It's he kind of knew what was coming, and then ultimately it, it happened. Like it's just. Another thing that I found interesting is you got kind of a, like a, like the, the, we got to witness the planting of the seed of Ilya Mikhaev's unhappiness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He goes in to speak to Dubas to talk to him about how he's like not stoked on his ice time. And Dubas basically is like, I don't know what to tell you, man. Yeah, yeah. But in his own Dubas way where he's like trying to build him up. And this is a good segue. Cause I want to talk about Kyle Dubas next, but yeah. like, In his own way, where he's like trying to build him up and telling him like, listen, (laughs) listen, whether you play nine minutes or or 20 20 minutes, minutes, but you're usually in the middle of that. (laughs) I know. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about Kyle Dubas. Um, Kyle Dubas is a really nice guy. He's a very likable guy, yes, I actually like Kyle Dubas. yes, I wanna I would have a beer with Kyle. We Dubas. are not we but I want we have never ever been a podcast that just rails on Kyle Dubas, like never no we've, we we we've, we've questioned his decisions, yes, and, and we've criticized some of the moves he's made which yeah. which he deserves at this point, which i and we always try and be fair, yeah, it comes with the job, man. yeah, yeah, we always try and be fair, but like. I I just don't know, man. Like, I just don't know if, like, you use the term. I keep alluding to a conversation that Ryan and I had before uh, we jumped on here. But you use the term, you don't know if he's cold-blooded enough. And I think what you mean by that is you got to make some, like, you got to be a bit of a savage if you're going to run a hockey team. Yeah, Like, I don't think you need to go as far as, like, I don't know. Like, like, like a Lou, perhaps. But, like, it. This whole, like, Mr. Nice Guy thing. But, like, Lou establishes a presence yes, early. Yes. Like, where has Lou gone in his hockey career where he ha- hasn't had success? Success with the Devils pretty much most of his career. Came to the Leafs, turned around, couple good seasons, goes to the island. They're one of the best teams in the NHL. I found through the f- whole thing, the most interesting thing from my point of view, my opinion is that Kyle Dubas is just, he's, ah, like, he's too buddy, buddy with everybody. Yeah. And he wants to be too much of like, almost like a mentor. And, and he wants like everything out of them as hockey players. He wants the performance, them to to step up in the playoffs. But I just, even the way he says like their names, you know, like, okay. you know, Mitch and, and, and John, the way he says, John, <laughs> He says John in the same way every time, and, and, and Austin. Yeah, I just found that like, he, he did, yeah, I, everybody listen. Next time you hear a John. interview and he talks about Tavares, just listen to the way he says John. Like it's just like so silly. But like he did have that savage moment with with Jimmy V C which was which is like an awkward situation to have. Like you're gonna have oh, to yeah, do that if like, you're a general manager. I'm put you on waivers. Yeah. But like ah, I don't know. I think he's just like almost too worried about well, you the well being of these dudes. Which is which is which imp- isn't like and again it's a fine line because like I've had bosses in my in my career where like I appreciate someone who who cares about me as a person. I really do. Because if you have a boss who's just a complete and utter prick and they don't they they just don't it's it's terrible. So it is definitely a fine line that that you need to walk. But yeah, he definitely like he blurs that line a lot. And I'm finding that now like he's he did some radio hits last week and he just all he says over and over is these guys care. These guys care so much and it's just like okay, okay, Kyle. Like like thank you. Like we get it. Like I I at a certain point, I kind of want to say, like, are you, are you trying to convince me that they care? Are you trying to convince yourself that they care? Because you do, you will not stop saying this yeah. publicly. And, and another thing I found interesting watching this, it, it kind of flashed me back a little bit, was Brendan Shanahan mm. popping his head in a couple times. <laughs> and and He just kind of walks around. Brendan Shanahan. You think about the rebuild, okay? They, they come in, they tank. They bring in Lou. They bring in Mark Hunter. This was supposed to be the regime that like turns everything around and and hard decisions and and then all of a sudden it's just like that's gone, and it's Kyle Dubis. Yeah, like don't you find like don't you find that sh- I know I know that's in the past, but it just seemed like the Babcock, Lou, Mark Hunter, like that was like the triple threat that was coming in. They did a great job off the start, kind of revamping everything getting the most out of players, making good decisions. And then it's just like how did Shanny go from that to something that Shanny almost seems like he's he's for to just like okay, now I'm going to just get rid of all of that and put all my chips in this young kids basket that just that that I, he met and he must have just fell in love with him the first time he met him or all well, the conversations you saw, so, they had. So but. so you saw in the documentary, he's like a prodigy child, Kyle Dubas. Yeah, I just he also he also is is somebody who is 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 very new school in the way he approaches the game and he had a lot of hype. I've heard I've heard people like Elliot Friedman talk about this before. He had a lot of hype when he was in the Sioux, like a lot about what he was doing and how he was thinking about the game differently, outside the box thinker, so on and so forth. And as the story goes, because if you were, you just said to me, they brought in the three headed monster of of, um, Lou Babs and Mark Hunter. He hired Kyle Dubas before he hired any of them. Yeah, I know. Kyle Dubas joined... If you look at Kyle Dubas's first photos with the Trauma Beliefs organization, they have that logo that's on the jersey behind you. That's how long he's been here. So he... As the story goes, he was approached by the Colorado Avalanche mm-hmm. and... or I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Colorado. Yeah. He's approached by the Colorado Avalanche and they were going to offer him a position. And he went to Shanny, which I assume was... Like, he was already an assistant GM here. So, I... And that's when they were starting to turn around and everything started yes. to look amazing. I assume if he was going to take that role that, that it, it might have been before they hired Joe Sackick, like, to be their GM. Yeah. Which kind of seems weird. Like, it's Colorado Avalanche. They are always hiring Joe Sackick. Yeah. Be GM. So... That kind of forced Shanny's hand and I think if you gave Shanny some truth serum he might have turned the reins over to Dubas a little sooner than he would have liked and Kyle Dubis is we're watching this kid learn on the job I love I I love how I call him a kid guy's guy's my age calling him a kid yeah we're watching him he looks like he's yeah eighteen years, yeah. years old yeah like, it's like it's like we <laughs> like he literally looks like a child it's like it's like we're watching this guy learn on the job like he, like we talk about it, like God. I'm so sick of talking about the salary yeah, cap. Yeah, yeah. So, but sick like of that's it. what I was gonna get into. Yeah. It's like, like the difference between Lou and Dubis. Not that I'm like, oh, I'll bring Lou back or whatever. Like none of that. But it's just like that stuff we were talking about him almost getting too personal with the players and being buddy buddy. Like I could see that link leaking in to this piece of paper we have in front of us with these cap hits. Hmm. And, and these contracts being signed, like, I, I just, I just feel like he's just, he's almost just falling. he's learning, you're right, he's learning on the, tr- yeah. he's young, like, yeah. it, it comes across in the documentary, like, he's a young dude, he's a good guy, which I could tell, like, I would like him too, yeah. but, like, it's, it's almost like he's just almost too young, and, like, too buddy-buddy, and just, I, I don't, I don't think he has what it takes to, like, he already made his bed, like, what? Like he can't do anything now. Yeah. Like the contracts are signed, his bed's already made. So it's just whatever happens in the future. But I just thought he came across a little too nice, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like just nice. And, and which there's nothing wrong with that, but it just like I don't like the way he he, he talks about the players sometimes. They get a little too like buddy buddy vibes, and it just I I just kind of bothered me. I don't know. Well, yeah. Well, and listen, he's his him putting his his faith into um the players like this and telling everyone like their the, his 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 job is on the shoulders of these guys who he keeps telling us care so much. So I hope they care enough to do enough to ensure you keep your job. So we'll we'll wait and see. Anyway, so all in all, I think Entertaining to watch, didn't set our world on fire. If you have, if you're a Leaf fan, you should definitely watch this. That's that's my thing. Yeah, I think coming out of it, definitely Sheldon Keefe's the star. It might have, yeah. might as well be called the Sheldon Keefe show. Yes, because that's all. That's the whole show. But um, yeah, Ryan, it's that time again. What time is that? Autumn is in the air. The pumpkins are in the patch, and our friends at Manscaped i here to make sure that you don't carve your pants pumpkins while you're grooming. Pants pumpkins? Make sure that you are keeping things fresh this fall with the Leaders in Male Grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. It's time to bundle up with Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker, Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, the creme de la creme of men's boxer briefs, and a travel bag for all your goodies. You know how you get this? You go to manscaped.com, you fill up your cart, when it comes time to check out, you go to the little promo code section, you enter the BUDS, T-H-E-B-U-D-S, all one word, and get 20% off and free shipping with that very code. That's 20% off and free shipping with code the BUDS at manscaped.com. Make your balls the priority this fall. Choose Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Two things I want to get your your take on. Um, Nick Robertson already cut from training camp. Um, I'm not surprised that he's not on the opening night roster. I am surprised that he's cut this early into camp. I guess that's just a decision. See him finish his check on, on Marner in the blue and white game. I, I feel like that, that is a decision where if this guy's going to come and play for us. We'd rather him be in a top six role than throw him down with Mikhaev and camp and, spezza and simmons and like if he's gonna if we want him here we want him to be in a in a top six role so if he's not gonna get there let the checking guys do the checking things send him down be on the first line of the marlies all that wonderful development stuff that everyone talks about and he'll go down and play top line minutes and all of a sudden that's just gonna make him into a great player but but if he's on the top six they probably just set him down for that reason Bringing up the top six is a perfect segue. And the second thing I want to get your take on, it's looking more and more like your, your first line left winger on opening night will be Nick Ritchie. Yep. I think it's worth a try. I think if you can get this guy to perform at a higher level, that's found gold. Um, Big body. You can put him out front of the net. Marner can feed him pucks all, all season long. Got um, to get in front of the net and yeah, got to get open. Yes. And you got to check hard. And you, you gotta you gotta back check. You yeah. basically gotta do what Zach Hyman did, and that that's basically it. Just do what Zach Hyman did. Basically, check hard, score when he can, play defense. Yeah. Do you like the decision to have him start first line left wing? I don't really care yeah. right now. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest. Like, <laughs> it, 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 it's not everything's gonna change. Everything's not gonna be the same. The, the thing about their lineup this year is if he doesn't work out on the first line, then then what? Then mm-hmm. Bunting goes up, he goes down, yeah. then. They bring up Mikheyev, maybe. Maybe they bring up Robertson. Like, you, you never, like, I don't know. So start him on the top line, big body, gets physical. Just do the right things, and I'm sure you'll have a good season. We only got a few minutes left, and I, I wanted to to make sure that we got this in this week. Um, I'm going to deviate a little bit from Leaf Talk. The Toronto Blue Jays' season comes to a heartbreaking heartbreaking conclusion like heartbreaking and you I I wanted to throw like you were uh you avidly followed them this year really passionate about watching them this year so I just wanted you to sort of close the book on the 2021 Toronto Blue Jays yeah it was like it, it sucks when you have so many hitters have career years, have four guys over 100 ribbies, have a bunch of dudes cl- flirting with 300, over 30 home runs. You have a pitcher that won the Cy Young. You had Manoa come up. All of a sudden, he's a stud. But, man, I, I know there were one game out, but I cannot stress this enough for Blue Jays fans. I know you care about Marcus Simeon, and I know you care about Robbie Ray. They're going to demand a lot of money, so it's kind of a crapshoot at this point. But the Blue Jays would have made the playoffs if they had the bullpen that the Yankees and the Rays trot out there every single night when they're healthy. I don't want to see my 8th inning guy, my 7th inning guy, my 6th inning guy throwing 93 poo outside the zone and with a shitty breaking ball watch the Tampa Bay Rays bullpen 97 plus wipe out slider. That's it. Yep. And, and then they throw in maybe a, a guy with a weird arm, kind of like Simber, like Simber had a great year. So you had, you had Romano and Simber, but like, dude, they lost so many games earlier in the year because they didn't have a bullpen and people want to blame Charlie Montoyo All they want. I think it's ridiculous. You're given what you're given. What is he supposed to do? Yeah. Like, what was he supposed to pull a guy earlier? And it's like, well, it's not that easy. You can't just get on the phone and be like, get him in. Like, the guy's got to warm up. He's got to be ready. you got to make quick decisions, and sometimes it's hard. And there's guys who are available. There's guys who aren't available. There's guys who are somewhat available. To me, screw everything else. Number one, focus this offseason. I know they want to go out and get a third baseman, starting third baseman, whatever. You need 97-plus with wipeout sliders. go. you get that, this team... With Teoscar Hernandez, George Springer. You need a healthy George Springer, too. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette mixed in with Barrios, Manoa, maybe Ray again. Maybe they go out and get another guy. You need 97-plus wipeout sliders coming out of that bullpen. 97-plus wipeout sliders. Go watch the rate. Look at Andrew Kittredge, the guy who comes out for the Rays. Like, Sidearm, 98 with the most disgusting breaking ball you'll ever see in your life. And and they have, like, seven of those dudes. And, and we got Tim Mesa, 93 poo. <laughs> like, the guy sucks. <laughs> Trevor Richards. I know his changeup, whatever, Stanton went down and hit it. But 92 poo. Like, it, it's not good enough in this league. You need swing and miss stuff in your bullpen. And if you don't have that, you're not going to make the playoffs. Like, you're not. Yeah. Especially in this division with the Yankees, with the Red Sox, with the Rays. They that to me screw everything else. Go out and get something in your bullpen because it's not good enough. Overall, though, really, really enjoyable season to watch. Super, super likable team. Heartbreaking way to end the season. Like, God, like it, I, I just. You don't get any more likable than Vlad Guerrero, Bobaschett. Yeah, like, you don't get any more likable for sure. Than these kids. And, and but but honestly, like I, I know they're like the Leafs are in year five of like not winning anything, but kind of down the stretch, they did show kind of an in- like I know they went on that run to even just get back in the, the contention of the wild card, but there was signs of them also not being able to bear down near the end there. I, I like Bo, Bo came up pretty big. They, in, in the Yankees. They lose two games to the twins, which I know people hate on the twins, but the twins actually have a really good lineup. They're, their pitching just kind of sucks. And then it, it, the story was written to me when you sent out your best pitcher against the New York Yankees and he couldn't get the job done. I'm not going to fault Robbie Ray for that. He's had a great year, but if your best pitcher gives up three home runs to the New York Yankees to lose that series to me right then and there, it was over. So good season, probably going to be a lot of change, probably going to be a lot of unhappy fans when Marcus Simeon's field and ground balls for the San Francisco giants next year. And Robbie Ray's pitching for the Los Angeles angels, but I cannot stress bullpen enough for this team. Cannot. And on that note, we will continue our crusade to the start of the Maple Leafs regular season. I think we got one more episode um, in us before the puck officially drops on the 2021 2022 season maybe next week we'll do some like we'll look at some schedules we'll we'll talk about being back in the division we'll do a season preview episode actually exciting talk yeah yeah season preview episode coming up next week thank you very much for checking us out everybody if you like what you see hit that like and subscribe button below also tell your friends make sure that you head on over to our uh Audio channels as well on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all those great places. Just go wherever you get your podcasts or your entertainment and search talking buds. You can just Google it. Did you like my recovery there? Like I was in the middle of that soliloquy and about halfway I was like, and make sure to Yeah. I thought you're gonna tell- I thought you were gonna look over at be, like, be and just be like. Well, no, see, we're at that point now in our in our podcast career where it's like I just like yeah, they know the drill. Like, yeah. we've got enough. We've been around long enough now. People know the drill. Like, that's the worst, though, when you, you have, like, a set. Like, I say that every week, but then something happens in your brain where, like, you're looking in the camera and the light's shining, and you're just like, and. Yeah, there's something different when that light goes on. Yeah, for sure. yeah, 100%. Sometimes you just sound a little goofy. Hit like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Give us a thumbs up. See you next week, guys. See you next week, guys. After a few years of working on radio and television, The Charles Adler Show has evolved to a natural place in 2023. YouTube, podcast, and open RSS. You'll hear the show as it always has been delivered, concise, with context, clarity, and empathy. And as a bonus, the guests will be natural-born storytellers who won't fear telling stories that are personal and emotional. They won't fear uncomfortable questions. Most important, they won't fear me. Follow me on Twitter, at Charles Adler. And subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts.